and welcome back to The Real Pulpit. My name is Graham Pirro, I'm your host, and today we're talking about one of the biggest movies, actually probably the biggest movie out right now in Hollywood, Black Panther. I'm joined by my co-host, assistant Halftime Leisure Editor, Dejour Evans. Dejour, how are you? I'm feeling very good. Excited? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Voices Editor, Sienna Broncato. Sienna, how are you? I'm wonderful. Also excited. <laughs> so to sort of set the stage a little bit, uh, Black Panther opened. It made 200, uh, the estimates put it at $235 million over the four-day President's Day weekend, which is just unbelievable. Um, wow. the, fifth, the fifth largest opening for, uh, I think, from Friday to Sunday, the fifth largest opening of all time. It is 97% fresh on Rotten Tomato. Von Tomatoes and an A plus cinema score, which is just absolutely mind boggling. It blew all expectations out of the water, and we're here to break it down. So to start, let's just talk about general thoughts about the movie. What were what were your guys' main takeaways? Um, okay, so I have now seen this movie three times, <laughs> and every single time I left the theater, I felt the same amount of joy, of exhilaration, and of pride. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a a movie, at least not a mainstream superhero movie that was this representative of things that I hold dear, such as my race and my culture and my background. And it was just so nice to see people who look like me and people who look like my family and my little cousins and all of that on screen. Um, and I know Black Panther, as, aside from just like the representation aspect. It was also just a really good movie. Like, it was really fun. It had some, like, serious themes that it, it was willing to take head on. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we get into the specific stuff. But overall, I was, I was just floored, and I was floored every single time I left the theater. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not, like, generally a huge fan of superhero movies. I'm just, like, sometimes they're good, sometimes... I don't I don't know. I, I wouldn't generally go and see that in a theater. Um, my brother was really into seeing it, so I went with him this weekend. <laughs> Um, and my family, um, but it was so good. <laughs> yeah, I left the theater too. I was like, my jaw is on the floor. Mm -hmm. And it sort of made me want to, I don't know, know more about that whole universe. And like, I wasn't familiar with the Marvel tropes of like having after scenes or even just like plot devices or anything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really familiar with it. So I was kind of going in, I think with fresh eyes. Um, and I just thought it was really good. It was um, well-paced, I think. And I'm always like, I love a good script. And I thought the script was really good. And I think it wasn't, it struck a good balance between taking on, like you said, important themes, but mm -hmm. also, you know, having that action that's characteristic of superhero movies that we all know yeah. and love. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good introduction to the world of superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> so Sienna, question, because you had not seen a lot of pre previous Marvel mm -hmm. movies, um, were there any points in this movie where you can where you were like confused or? Um, I mean, there's one point at which a character from a different universe appears, and I didn't recognize him when he showed up, and everyone was like, oh, that's the guy, like, they connect, and I was like, I don't understand, but that's <laughs> cool. But, you know, the whole, like, I think they did a good job of making it accessible for people who don't know about things, like, you know, um, still painting this really vivid picture of this other world um, with the whole, like, vibranium thing, where that's sort of, it struck me as, like, similar not similar to kryptonite because kryptonite like causes weakness question mark i think um but you know just sort of like a otherworldly substance that you know 
I don't know, and just the construction of this really technologically advanced city. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I thought they they made it interesting and accessible to people who wouldn't otherwise like, have known about it. Yeah, and just to add to that, my mom <laughs> went to go see Black Panther this weekend. My mom is not a Marvel fan at all. I don't think she's ever seen a Marvel movie. But she went to go see Black Panther this weekend, and she called me, and she was like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And she understood everything was going on, and it was really funny, because I was like, wait, Ma, um, when the credits started rolling, did, did you leave? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, amateur. Um, you're not <laughs> supposed to do that. There, there are more scenes. She was like, I was wondering why everybody was still sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that's there were two, right? So the yeah, first one, I was two. like, okay, mm-hmm. we can leave now. Like, nope. my brother made me sit. And then he was like, no, no, there might be another one. And it was, was like five minutes, six minutes, it. seven minutes. I was like, Devin, I don't think there's another one. He goes, there is, there is, trust me. And then there was. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was telling people in my theater, sit back down. Yeah. <laughs> No, that, it's so cool. That's like the norm now is the movie yeah. ends and everyone Everybody sits through the credits, <laughs> yeah. which I guess like glorifies those like visual effects guys whose mm-hmm. names I was going to say like yeah. it makes people watch credits. the credits. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I ask you that question because um, well, my usual complaint about Marvel movies, the reason why I don't really like Marvel that much is because they always get bogged down in references and tying into other movies. Like that was my big issue with Spider-Man mm-hmm. Homecoming mm-hmm. was all the Spider-Man stuff was really good. But like Tony Stark and all the tie-ins to the Marvel Universe was annoying. And what I liked about this movie is you basically really only had to see one movie ahead of time, which was Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then even if you didn't see that, the movie still works on its yeah, own. Yeah, I didn't and see it that one. Get, <laughs> yeah, like it, it doesn't get bogged down in all these references. And I think that that works so well because the stakes in the story are very much contained in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you walk away feeling like that movie, you could watch it and not have seen any other movie in the MCU and have gotten just as much out of it, which I really liked. And yeah, to echo you guys, um, like I was saying, I'm not really a big Marvel fan. I've seen all the Marvel movies, though, and I'm always going to see Marvel movies. Not a big fan. Um, But I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was an incredibly well... Like, Dejour, you were talking a lot about the representation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it doesn't have that much significance to me, but it's still such a well written, well-directed, well, just a great movie all around. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some of the specifics. The one big thing that I absolutely adored in this whole movie was Michael B. Jordan's Michael performance B. Jordan. as Killmonger. His, oh. I thought he was the best part of the movie. And that's rare because the big complaint about the MCU is that the, the villains, villains are usually mm-hmm. very underwhelming. Like, before this, probably Loki was the only noteworthy mm-hmm. villain who you remember. Okay. But what did you guys think of his performance? I was absolutely blown away. Oh, I mean... <laughs> So from so I knew Michael B. Jordan was playing the villain, um, but that first scene in the museum when he's talking to the lady and stuff, he's so charismatic and like so and he's he's making good points too about like how do you think your ancestors got it? And I was just like, so do you want me to not like him, Black <laughs> yeah. Panther? Because he's really killing it right now. Um, of course we see later on more of his like rage and his violent tendencies, which make it harder to like him, but. I I just thought he was so charismatic. He really he really played up on the the anger uh, and the rage that comes with having an experience like the the one that he had. But I feel like he was able to balance because he had some really funny lines too, like the "Hey Auntie" uh, springs <laughs> to mind. And I think he was able to balance that really well because he he isn't playing some like villain who's just like obsessed with like oh I want to get the big thing to take over the world. Like that's not his his main thing. Like he wants to like 
have a Wakandan empire, but it's to liberate people who he feels like have been oppressed and who feel like they're left behind by Wakanda. Um, so I thought that he was able to play that intelligent aspect really well, which like makes sense because he got a whole like what was it a PhD from MIT. Like this is not some like dumb run of the mill guy. Like he knows what he's doing, and like you could really tell through his performance that he had been waiting for that moment to. Uh, get T'Challa off the throne and take his place that he felt he deserved. Yeah, I've seen him, I think, definitely in one other movie, but I feel like in something else. I saw him in Fruitvale Station, and I was mm. like, oh, this guy is wow. so good. Yes. And I was like, what else, what else is going to be in? And I like now that, you know, he's getting roles that are in these huge, huge movies because mm-hmm. I think he deserves it um, with his acting skills. And you're right, like, he was a very... I guess, I don't want to say likable villain because there were points where you're like, okay, no, I don't really side with him, but he kept it funny. He kept it interesting as well. Mm -hmm. He kept it compelling in a way that like didn't allow you to ignore that side of the storyline and just Mm -hmm. dismiss it. And I think that's what makes a good villain is like you have to acknowledge that there is some truth in what they stand for. And in this situation, I thought there was a lot of truth in what he stood for, Mm -hmm. even though like maybe the violent method wasn't the way to go. And I think the movie comes down clearly on that. Um... But yeah, and I mean, I don't know, I just like got very excited watching him and when he was going to challenge T'Challa, I was like, oh. okay, cool. And when he had his shirt on about the t- before the challenge, I was like, no, 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 that shirt's coming off. We're going to yeah. see like a body full of those scars yeah. that are like the number of people that you've killed. And then I was right and I was like, yeah, I knew it. Like he's going to be covered in those things. And he, yeah, they just thought the fight sequences were fun to watch. The emotional sequences, especially like at the end mm-hmm. um, when he's reflecting on, you know, um, what should be what should be done. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was so good. Yeah, I, what makes a great comic book villain is the villain has to want the opposite of what the hero wants. Mm-hmm. So the reason why like the relationship between Batman and the Joker works well is because the Joker wants chaos, Batman wants order. That's their archetypal rivalry. And what works so well here is at the core of the conflict between Killmonger and T'Challa is the same question, what should Wakanda's role be in the world? Yeah. And it's just two very, very opposing ideas Mm -hmm. for the role that the uh, Wakanda should take. Like, Killmonger wants them to, you know, disperse the vibranium throughout and stir up these revolutions while T'Challa wants more gradual change. Mm -hmm. And you see both sides. Yeah. And, yeah, like you were saying, uh, Dejour, like, at the beginning when I was cheering for Killmonger. Like, he was so charismatic and he was so electric when he was on the screen. And I love him and uh, Andy Serkis, a claw. Yes. I I could watch a whole movie of the two of them just, like, getting into various escapades. And it really, like, the relationship between the two of them, when, you know when Claw dies, Mm -hmm. like, you know that Killmonger is going to take over the rest of the movie. Yeah. And he does. And it's so, it's so good. And you almost, like... With Claw, I was like, okay, this is a kooky sort of villain guy, but the really, really compelling villain. And that's when I was happy that he took over. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, this is like the true villain character. Like he can really hold up this movie. And I think what you were saying before as well in terms of like the the two opposite sides of things like gradual change versus immediate action are, I don't know, I I just like the way that that could connect to a lot of different things like especially different political movements like the whole question is always mm-hmm. you know do we act immediately like is enough enough or is it better to just like take gradual steps and i thought it handled the political side of things really really well in confronting that sort of um question and i don't know i like the ending a lot as well <laughs> yeah definitely and to build off of graham's point about what makes it, both of you guys points actually about what makes a good villain i think another thing that makes a villain really stand out is if when they come in 
they force the hero to sort of change mm. their ideas because T'Challa, he grew up in tradition. You know, the tradition is that Wakanda remains to themselves. They remain hidden. This is what they do. And Michael V. Jordan comes in here and he's like, hey, like, this is wrong. Like, we have a whole group of people that look exactly like us suffering all over the world and you guys have the resources to stop it. Let's fight. Let's kill our oppressors. And T'Challa is kind of forced to confront his father's mistakes, to confront the idea that they haven't been helping, and really take a look at that that tradition and that that idea that he has had. And it's being challenged, like, in a real logical way. And it forces him to rethink it. Um, maybe not go as radical as Killmonger, but rethink it nonetheless. And mm -hmm. um, he changes throughout the film because of Killmonger's presence. And I think that is what makes a good villain. When you have all these villains, um, like you mentioned the problem with Marvel villains a lot, you have all these villains coming in and they don't really enact any innate change. Like it's kind of just like, oh, like the bad guy wants to take over the world and they have to stop him. But like, these villains don't cause like the heroes to completely change their ideals, to have to, to force to look at themselves and everything they believed in the mirror and really like come to question with it. But this is what Killmonger was able to do for T'Challa and it made for such a fascinating dynamic between the two to where there's points when you're really like, he has a good argument though. And mm -hmm. like you're you're pulling for, you're not sure. And when he dies, you mentioned his last moment, Sienna. Greatest last lines oh. for a villain, a character ever. Anytime, ever, like they were, they were just so great. And when when he dies, you don't feel like, "Woo, we stopped the villain." Like you usually feel in these movies, you feel like, "Damn, like yeah, it kind of sucks." Like not <laughs> sucks, but like it, it kind of sucks. So, and, and I think that that is a, a true testament to how great a villain uh, Michael B. Jordan was in this movie. That's yeah, that's a very that yeah, like everything about. Killmonger is just fantastic. And yeah. the way that he pushes T'Challa to change, mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, and I guess that sort of leads us into talking about T'Challa. Uh, Chadwick Boseman um, plays T'Challa as this extremely regal, mm -hmm. um, like very, I don't want to say like proper, but like very upstanding, kind of traditional, someone who's, who's st uh, steeped in tradition. Yeah. And the contrast here, and so in Captain America Civil War, um, T'Challa is introduced and he's basically on a revenge mission because mm -hmm. his father's killed in an explosion. So basically what drives his character throughout the movie is revenge. So going into this, I was interested to see how they're going to work with his character. And I think that what they sort of turn him into, this sort of conflicted ruler, is something that's extremely compelling and works really well. And I think Bozeman really embodies that This sort of like, you could tell there was conflict underneath yeah. and he was trying to mm -hmm. sort of... Uh, balance the warrior inside, like the Black Panther inside, versus being the king of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. And I thought that his performance really sort of layered that. And then when Killmonger comes in and challenges him and then ends up almost killing him and taking the throne, that's sort of when you see him like break down and become this ultimate fusion of king and Black Panther, which yeah, I just, exactly. like, great character work, mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, most Marvel movies are known for, but I think that it's rare that an actor is able to take this on the first try and embody it in such a natural way. Yeah, yeah, the the scene that highlights to mind is what I like to call his rebirth scene, mm. um, when he has his second uh, meeting with his ancestors on the ancestral plane, and they're saying, his father is saying, it's time for you to join us, and he just, goes off and he's like you were wrong like now I'm here and I, I have to go back I have to fix your mistakes and I thought that that was like what you were talking about the the balance between the the 
king and the Black Panther. Like, you've been seeing mostly up until that point, the king, you know, the regalness to have to keep it under control for Wakanda and that tradition-based uh, uh, kingmanship that he's been taught. And when you get to that scene, when he finally breaks down and, like, looks all of his ancestors in the face and says, no, like, the tradition that you guys have been telling me all these years, it was wrong, and you guys messed up. You see that that regalness break, and you see him become what you what you mentioned, the balance between a good king and uh, the Black Panther. And I think the the entire for uh, T'Challa, the entire uh, movie was basically a run of him having to learn how to be his own king, not the king that his father was. It's kind of like what Nakia says to him when they're when he's reflecting on his father's mistakes, and she says, "You are your own king. Like you can be the king that you want to be, the ruler that you want to be for Wakanda, not the ruler that your father was or the ancestors before him." And that scene really brought all of that to head for me. Yeah, and I think, um, like you were saying, sort of with the emotional gravity of mm -hmm. a lot of his scenes, like I think he played the emotion really well, where he didn't overdo it, he didn't underdo it. He was very like restrained at times when I thought it would have been really easy to just sort of go overboard with it yeah. and that makes the scenes where he like not I wouldn't want to say loses it but that makes the scenes where he expresses that emotion really strongly even more powerful mm -hmm. I think and like very very commanding as well like when he said I think like he was asking oh my gosh what the god Zuri I think yeah um, so he's was asking him to tell him no no, no um, the older man was asking oh, him to tell um, him the truth oh, about what was yeah, happening yeah, okay, yeah. um and he was like um, you know, I want to know what my father, like, did mm -hmm. he kill this guy, whatever. I want to know, I want to know. I'm your king, like, tell yeah. me. And you were like, oh, Ooh, my yeah. When he gosh. yelled that out, I was like, okay. Yeah, I was like, you so are the king. You are okay. the king now. So you, you see him slowly sort of come into that role because mm -hmm. I didn't view him from the beginning as like, Mr. I'm so prepared to be king and like, I'm so ready and I want this so much. And it's only when he has that conversation with his father where he's like, you've been training for this. And I was like, okay, yeah, he is prepared, you know. Mm -hmm. And you really, really see him grow throughout the course of the movie and just assume that power in such a natural but also commanding way where pe you can see why people are really, really compelled to follow him. Yeah. But he's never, you know, he never is too serious either. He's able to joke around with his sister. And I love the brother-sister relationship. Yeah, I was like, this is relatable. Like, I have a younger brother. I don't know who's older or younger. I guess he must be older. But um, I was like, this is relatable. They're pushing each other's buttons. And I like mm -hmm. that a lot. And I like that you were able to see that side of him and, like, the side that gets embarrassed when he mm -hmm. sees the, his ex, you know, like, oh, did you freeze? Yeah, I froze. Yeah, like, yeah she was <laughs> too beautiful or whatever it was. I just thought he played it really multidimensional. And mm -hmm. you could see that the king was a real person and on top of being a really believable king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and also he plays off of a very... Uh, rich supporting cast like yeah. mm -hmm. a bunch of different actors who just do a fantastic job um there's uh lapita nuango who plays am i pronouncing that right yeah okay so she plays his love interest and then yeah. i think the breakout star who was probably everyone's favorite character from the movie was Letitia Wright. As yes. Shirley, oh, she is, was so good. It's just, yeah, she, so she, what I, I guess like as a James Bond friend, I love the James Bond aspects of this movie mm -hmm. where Letitia is essentially like the cue in the movie where yeah. she's like giving him all these gadgets and walking him through. And then there's that awesome, um, 
like program where you can get into like a virtual car and drive the car and they use that twice both times it's so yeah yeah, it's it's awesome and it feels like a bond movie kind of with like these different gadgets um but yeah did were there particular actors in the supporting cast that stood out to you guys i Um, mean my my pick would definitely be leticia right because she just steals every scene she was fantastic and i I, for me, it's it's gonna have to be those those three main women: uh, Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai uh, Guerrero. I feel like, like, I was just floored by how strong, how powerful they all were, and like in their own different ways. Like Letitia Wright, uh, Shuri, she is like the STEM girl, and it's just so so nice to see a young black girl heading the science and technology like that's just so wonderful to see um Lupita Nyong'o she uh she slayed my life I'm gonna be honest (laughs) she just killed it from from the very first scene when she's like fighting and uh and T'Challa, you mentioned it, uh, freezes and stuff like you could tell she has this sort of presence like this power and she's just like not putting up with anybody like when she mentions that she'd be a good queen because she is so stubborn like yes and then uh finally and with deny she was fantastic the scene where she pops the wig off and uses oh. it as a weapon oh my god that was so good i think we definitely need to talk about we the definitely south need to talk about the south korea scene we, we will get there yeah. um and also i do want to point out as well daniel kalua because as everyone knows get out was my favorite film mm-hmm. from last year he got me so mad in this movie. <laughs> and I was like, Daniel Kalua, you need to stop. But the scene where he kneels uh, to deny at the end, perfect. So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I just mentioned, like, most of the supporting cast. Yeah. Angela Bassett, oh, my yeah. God. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> just throwing Forrest Whitaker and then... Throwing Forrest Whitaker and then... Andy Serkis, Morgan Freeman, everyone. I love you all. Yeah, seriously. I think I would agree with the three supporting women as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, particularly Lupita Nyong'o. I think... One one thing that I I kind of like about superhero movies is that they don't usually make the romance central the same mm-hmm. way that in a lot of movies it can seem. And I think this movie did a good job of, you know, there was that romance aspect, but it wasn't the pivotal aspect of the film. Yeah. But, you know, then one detriment in superhero movies, obviously I'm not speaking from, like, so much personal experience, <laughs> but is that it can sort of reduce the woman to just being, like, oh, the afterthought or, like, maybe the woman is not, like, a strong character in her own right. She's just a romantic interest that's, like, a side thing. But I think nobody can say that about her character in this movie. And I think when we were talking about um, Killmonger sort of changing T'Challa and making him reconcile with his beliefs and everything, Mm -hmm. I think that she does that as well in a more subtle way mm-hmm. um because she she is urging him to like we have resources yeah. we should share them obviously she's not advocating for world war mm-hmm. but you know i think i i kind of almost liked that her influence was very present but secondary and that it wasn't like you know the pivotal thing was that she changed him and she yeah. like made him see the light because i feel like that's just kind of a tired mm-hmm. thing um and i liked that how at the end where he was like i know a way that you can fulfill your calling as well mm-hmm. even though we are like together and all yeah. that so I, I like that balance a lot. Sanaya Gurira, I love The Walking Dead, the which Dijon knows. And so seeing her, I was like, yes, you always have a sword, and it's always awesome, right. and you this embrace who you are. Like, you don't want to wear this wig. Like, you just embrace mm-hmm. your strength and your natural ability and appearance, and you're not about the sort of, you know, 
putting on a show for anybody mm-hmm. and she's loyal as well which was probably kind of unpopular at one point when she decides to stay with Killmonger she's like no yeah. I'm loyal to the throne I'm loyal to whoever sits on it um oh, when her love interest was like kneeling to her yes like this is amazing um also yes what was her name Nakia the sister oh she um, or Letitia right okay yes mm-hmm. yes oh she was so cool as well she made me crack up I think she had some of the best lines yeah. and I think the movie did a really good job of incorporating comedy without feeling like it was breaking the dramatic mm-hmm. tension or without like feeling out of place I also want to bring attention to the big Jabari um chief oh guy who's like I'm just kidding we're a vegetarian oh <laughs> he's amazing Wait, I love him too he was really funny when in they the started same barking way. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> he was like, you need to stop talking now. Okay, yes. Uh, also, yeah, I, just I don't think there was them. a weak performance in the whole yeah, movie from anybody. Every, yeah, every single yeah, member of the cast. Of uh, yeah, seeing Denai Gurira, am I? Yeah, I think it's Gurira. I think so. Gurira. Um, yeah, because I also like The Walking Dead. Like, mm-hmm. Michonne is a great character on that show. And then seeing her with the sword. And easily, one of the best moments of the film is when she rips off the wig after oh, complaining yes. about it and then goes and Easy. then there's that long take of that fight scene the that's so take, the camera work the is so well done uh, I do just so the Lord of the Rings fan in me has to mention the scene when Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis are talking <laughs> to each other because it's Bilbo and Gollum <laughs> talking to each other oh um, I knew it was Bilbo but I didn't know it was Gollum yeah. <laughs> oh that's amazing <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah, everyone in this it's an incredibly strong supporting cast it's one of the yeah. probably one of the stronger um, in a Marvel movie and uh, yeah, so now that we've gone over the cast, um, let's start talking about, like, specific stuff that we liked in the movie. Like, I absolutely adored the whole South Korea sequence, mm-hmm. specifically the long take of the fight scene, because that's reminiscent of Brian Coogler's previous film, which is Creed, yeah. which has a fantastic long take of a boxing match between Creed and I forget who he's fighting. Uh, but it's really good camera work, and I find that in a lot of Marvel movies, they just kind of reduce to, like, the quick cuts and mm-hmm. kind of shaky cam, and I love it when a director, like, leaves the camera stationary. Yeah. And obviously they use some, like, digital trickery yeah. to make it work, but you could tell what was going on. It was very, like, vibrant camera movement that was really, really well done. That whole scene, the car chase right afterwards, yeah. is visually, it was, there were a lot of different colors going on in some of those moments, and then the stunts with... T'Challa like jumping from car to yes. car and then ju- running and, along the building, and doing the making the like c- going on the street and making the car tilt up so it could go around. That was, so, that was so, so cool. yeah. There were so many little moments like that. Yeah. that the just weapon made out of the guy's prosthetic hand. Yeah, just I was like okay, like cool. It's kind of gross. His <laughs> hand open. I was like, oh. Because <laughs> at first I was like, is that his real hand? Yeah, I was just what? weirded out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I completely agree with you i loved the entire uh south korea scene from the very beginning as soon as they walk in the club and uh the music from kendrick lamar's beautiful soundtrack starts playing and i'm like yes this is exactly what i want um and that that long take floored me i was in the theater shook um when she like dives down and uh goes to land the blow and then it pans to nakia and you see her fighting and it pans to uh t'challa you see him fighting i'm just like oh this is amazing um and that yeah that whole scene was amazing yeah definitely and i think the costumes work so well like one i thought it was really cool the black panther costume how it absorbs the kinetic energy and throws it back things i was like that is awesome that's contained in that little necklace mm-hmm. i was like this is so cool um but also you know the women's costumes i really really like the soldier costumes the red yeah. bodysuit soldier costumes but also um 
the dress that Lupita Nyong'o's character was wearing, where like it doesn't restrict movement at all. I, I think know. it was just really well done to be mm-hmm. functional, but also like very, very stylish. And yeah. I'm not a huge clothes person, but I just really appreciated that. How they were able, they were just so agile, like jumping around. And, you know, of course, T'Challa, because he has the like superhuman strength where he's able to jump incredible distances, but every character just felt like they moved in such an incredible way. And I know that um, Danai Gurira's character has that sort of training from um, from The Walking Dead, but I didn't know that Lupita Nyong'o would also be equally as capable of pulling that off in a way mm-hmm. that was really compelling and realistic. And I was like, ah, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I just want to have shout out Ruth Carter, um, the costume uh, designer for Black Panther, because she put in so much work um, visiting tribes in Africa, various mm. regions to get the look and feel. A lot of uh, a lot of the designs that she got was inspired by um, different designs that are like actually worn in Africa. Like um, Angela Bassett's the Queen's uh, headgear, her head uh, gear was inspired. I don't remember the exact tribe right now, but it's a specific one, and it's very similar to the one that they wear. Uh, the the tribal uh, look, the green, all of that stuff uh, is all. Um, very reminiscent and um, symbolic of actual like African gear and uh, tribe, and I thought that that was really fantastic mm-hmm. that she uh, incorporated a lot of that into the film, and they really took their time with this to make it sure it was authentic mm-hmm. and real, and everything down to the costume choices. Mm-hmm. At the scene where they're all sort of gathered on the cliff face, like descending yeah. on the the steps of the mountain, and they're mm-hmm. all in these intricate, amazing costumes, awesome. and they're all moving and dancing, and I was like, oh. It was just very visually striking too. It's so many different colors, yeah. um, all coming together. When they got yeah, to mm-hmm. definitely. Colors I, vibrant. I read an interesting uh, interview with Ryan Coogler where he said he did not feel comfortable making this movie until he went to Africa, mm-hmm. was able to like visit these different tribes, and I think that. One thing that's so remarkable, it's such a testament to how good the production design is on this movie, is that Wakanda feels at the same time like it has those elements of like a traditional African tribe, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it is an extremely futuristic place, yeah. and it feels like a place like out of time and out of the world, yeah. and that fits in with the whole idea of the the sort of isolation and mm-hmm. how it's been hidden from the rest of the world. Yeah, there's so much uh, Afrofuturism in yeah. this film. And I, I just want like I can't wait for someone to just like go through this movie like and just take frame like yeah. just take images. And like analyze like the different ways that, that they incorporate. I watch that thirty-minute-long YouTube video. Yeah, <laughs> the video essays on this movie are gonna be lit. I cannot wait. It's gonna be Same. so much fun. Um, yeah, and and the direction Ryan Coogler. Uh, I have not seen Fruitvale Station, but I've heard really good things. And Creed is an incredible mm-hmm. movie. It was so good. Uh, so there were definitely moments throughout this movie where you can tell he really like was thinking very deliberately about how to frame the scene. Like, my favorite shot probably from the whole movie is when Killmonger orders the flowers, uh, the garden to be burned, mm-hmm. and then you have him framed in the middle of the uh, the middle of the frame, and then the fire is swelling yes. on both sides. Oh, just like a powerful moment, and you see him, he's shot. silhouetted, mm-hmm. and it's just this, that's like the moment when you know that, like, he is now. Like, he wants to burn, he doesn't want tradition, he wants to burn down tradition, he yeah. wants to take away, like, what matters from T'Challa and what matters to Wakanda, and, like, just start a revolution. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, igniting the fire of the revolution. Yeah. I thought it was probably the most powerful shot. Like, I want that wallpaper. Like, that was <laughs> such a striking image. I think for me, uh, I have two, and one of them Sienna mentioned already, but the shot... Uh, when it's time for T'Challa's first challenge, when he's first being crowned as uh, king, and he comes off of the their ship, and you see the shot of him facing, uh, and it's just the long mountain, and everyone just like dancing and all in all of their uh, different tribal outfits, and just it just looks so vibrant, so beautiful, and so um, 
enigmatic of what the movie was trying to go, which was that traditional feel of Africa and of um, the culture. And I, I really love that shot. But I also love the scene where Killmonger is walking to the throne and the camera is like upside mm. down and it flips over slowly as he makes his throne. Like quite literally, he is turning Wakanda upside down on its head into like a completely different nation than they ever knew in the manner of minutes. And um, I thought that that shot was really cool, really striking. I think I definitely agree with what you guys have said already, but I think me as well, where it's just, it's at the end where um, the Nigeria's character is like, I would kill you for yeah. my country, and he's like kneeling down, surrendering, and there's this whole chaos of battle around, you know, all of the, the female soldiers in the red uniforms, and then the opposing side, and also the rhino creatures the rhino. that are running around and when oh when the rhino licks her face i'm just like yes <laughs> okay this is exactly what i wanted definitely not what i expected but like very yeah. fulfilling no, <laughs> um but yeah. yeah that that shot as well where like time freezes mm -hmm. when they see that and it's just you, you know see, the battle is over all of his other people in the background start kneeling to her as well yeah. like that's it you're done <laughs> it's amazing yeah like yeah. even though there's still the conflict going on between mm -hmm. t'challa and killmonger like you know it's kind of done. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, like, the way that they use humor. And uh, what usually annoys me, I, I like how most of the, me on this podcast has just been, like, complaining about things that Marvel movies do <laughs> and then talking about how this movie doesn't do that. Uh, but what usually annoys me about Marvel movies is they reduce, like, during the final battle, they'll just be, like, quipping between the heroes. Like, mm -hmm. the Avengers Age of Ultron was so annoying at the end during the final fight when it just it literally, like, annoying. joke and joke and quip. And I did not. That's, that's a subject for another podcast. Uh, but... What I liked about this movie was it used humor really well. Mm -hmm. And it used these moments of humor throughout. And then when when the climax really starts, when the final battle starts, there's no, like, break for the, the you know, like, one of the actors to wink at the camera and yeah. be like, hey, like, this is, you know, I'm going to say a funny line here. Mm -hmm. It was very intense and it felt very real. And then you have, like, the rhino licking mm -hmm. um, the face, which is, like, kind of a release. It's like this yeah. catharsis after this unbelievably intense scene. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean this the the movie like i don't think we can say enough good things about it right. um so like i guess my, my next question for you guys is were there any any critiques i'm kind of interested or uh i can probably think of like one which is just sort of i thought that the structure of the movie I felt like two halves of like very kind of distinct movies where the first half like is mostly against claw and it's set for the most part, outside of Wakanda, because you have that whole sequence in South Korea. Um, and then the second half is all about Killmonger versus um, T'Challa. And uh, I thought that the the transition between the two, like, it worked, but it felt maybe a little disjointed. Mm -hmm. So when I walked away, I felt like it was very... It was like two distinct movies that were kind of just put together. Um, but I don't think that that really took away from anything. And, like, that's kind of a minor criticism, because I can't really find anything else I usually can nitpick. Do you guys have any critiques? <laughs> um, I think I feel like my critique is kind of on a similar vein of yours. I just thought I would have liked to see a little bit more time with Killmonger on the throne um, just because I was really fascinated by the two different ideologies that he and it seems a lot of people were kind of had and I would have liked to see more like I don't want to say debates but just more like war of like words with that, with that. more mm -hmm. of that conflict of like a tug of war of these two different ideologies. Um, I also, and this is more of a tweak of more of just of what I hope they include in the next one. I, I would like to see more of the citizens of Wakanda. Like mm -hmm. we got Wakanda from the royal lens, but I would like to see more of like the average citizen. We 
get a little glimpse of them when uh, T'Challa and the Key are walking through uh, the city or whatever. But, like, I just want to know what their thoughts are on this battle. Are they even aware? Are they just living so in luxury that they don't even notice? Yeah. <laughs> I doubt that's the case. So I, I hope there's more of that. Yeah, I think it did a good job of depicting, like, people who were prospering but mm-hmm. not like living this elitist like you know in hunger games we're in the capital it's like yeah, everyone is in exactly. these elaborate costumes and they're all like living very very largely but you know there was never this thing of like oh it's a third world country that they're all in poverty and stuff mm-hmm. like i think it did a really good job of sort of defying that and showing like a country in africa can have a huge city and can be the one who gives the aid to other countries right. instead of like always needing you know, like, oh, I loved at the end where T'Challa's giving the speech to the UN, I think. He's yeah. like, what's a country of farmers going to offer the world? And right. it's like, ha, just ha, wink. Okay. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the one, I guess, critique that I have was something that my brother said, which I don't know if I entirely agree with, but he came out of it. He was like, I didn't think that it built so well to an ending, but I think that's because he really loves action, action, action stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the ending was like a little too calm for him but he said well it makes sense because they're probably setting up for another movie and I was like I I enjoyed the ending a lot um because I thought it was a nice sort of way to not permanently reconcile the two like gradual versus immediate change Mm -hmm. but make steps towards that where he like goes and buys the buildings in Oakland and all that stuff um I just I thought that was a really nice way to end it without feeling like it was concluded um but I think my brother would have preferred a more you know, intense build up and, mm. you know, I guess, quote unquote, satisfying payoff, even though I felt it was very satisfying. <laughs> yes. I think it's a high, it's high praise when you say a movie like should have been longer. And I think to <laughs> your, your point about like seeing Killmonger on the throne yeah. for longer, I think that's the, I was trying to figure out what was, because I remember watching the movie when it, when like the final battle started, I was kind of like, oh, it's the final battle now. Yeah, like, okay, same. that was kind of quick. Um, and, like, this movie is about, like, two hours and 15, 15 minutes, minutes, I think, I think. With, with credits. It I easily could have been, like, 15 or 20 minutes longer. And easily. I think I also would have liked to have seen, like, um, Killmonger on the throne a little more and may have the movie go more in-depth on, like, the philosophical difference. Yeah. Just because the, the philosophical difference between... Uh, Killmonger and T'Challa is so rich mm-hmm. that I feel like the like you don't necessarily need them to like sit down and debate it, but, but like, I would have been interested to see yeah. and also to raise the stakes a bit more when you see the impact that Killmonger is having on Wakanda and also like because uh, part of the finale is um, Everett Ross uh, flying the like spaceship type thing mm-hmm. after like trying to make sure that they don't leave Wakanda and I think if we had seen a bit more of that of like seeing what to uh, Killmonger's vision of Wakanda was going to be that would have added some, like, real gravitas to the end. Because, um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a little abrupt, but, like, at the same time, it still works. And I still found the ending very satisfying um, thematically and, you know, from a the superhero, like, classic, you need a big mm-hmm. fight at the end to end the movie. Yeah, um, yeah so to, to wrap up... Um, so, going forward, this seems like a, a pretty much a game-changer in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and in superhero movies at large, because it shows that a movie that has such extreme representation, like you were talking about, um, it delivered the fifth largest opening weekend of all time, so it kind of bucks all conventional wisdom in Hollywood. Um, so, what do you guys want to see going forward? Uh, the next big Marvel movie coming out is arguably the biggest movie in the whole MCU, which is Avengers Infinity War, the first part of the conclusion of, what is it, like 18 movies now, which is kind of crazy. Um, 
And then after that, there's Ant-Man and the Wasp, a second Spider-Man movie, the second uh, Infinity War movie. And then we're not really clear. So what do you guys want to see going forward? I personally am looking for more standalone movies like this mm -hmm. um where they're delving into like really interesting characters and not getting bogged down and connecting to different you know connecting to the larger universe um what do you guys think i 100 agree with what you said i my biggest worry about infinity war is there's just going to be a lot happening so it's going to be so many characters and i'm just worried that it's going to get quite cluttered um especially the fact that i didn't really uh care for that much Age of Ultron. So I think what I went, cause I have mentioned before that I've gotten superhero fatigue, but I did enjoy um, movies such as Spider-Man Homecoming, even though I had the connections, I think I was able to enjoy more cause I, I knew the connections. Um, but the stuff outside of the Iron Man stuff I really enjoyed and Black Panther obviously, I loved it. So I think what I am looking for more so is these type of solo uh, standalone, um, movies that really, like basically exactly what Graham said, that explores these really philosophical dynamics that has fun as well. Like, I want I want to have fun when I go to see a superhero movie. So stuff like that. Yeah, I think for me as well, like if a movie is so cluttered with references to other movies that I haven't seen, mm -hmm. it's not going to be compelling. And realistically, like, will I go back and watch every single Marvel movie so I can understand the references? Like, probably, probably not. not. So I, I think <laughs> I said, I third that I guess where I, I like the sort of standalones where you know it's not wrong I think to reference other movies but I think it's smart just in terms of making a movie that's not too cluttered and that remains focused but also for just appealing to a broader audience that they don't make it too sort of narrowly focused yeah. where like <clears throat> I guess not narrow I guess too broad so that people who don't have all that background knowledge can't understand what's going on and yeah. just are confused the whole time because I thought that's what was really strong about this movie. Infinity War is going to be fascinating because there's no way that movie can't be overstuffed. And uh, like Age of Ultron, like you were saying, I also really don't like Age of Ultron because mm -hmm. I think that it gets way too jammed at the end. Um, yeah, so, okay, so to wrap up as a final, final question, uh, where would you guys put this in your echelon of superhero movies? Now, Sienna, I know this is going to be tough. <laughs> well, number um, one, question but mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Whoa. I always like, I like ranking things. I, I like the order. Um, and, I mean, looking at my top 10 superhero movies list, it has to be, like, it's going to be on there somewhere. Uh, I'm not 100% sure where. But what I can definitely say for sure is this is in the, definitely at the top of my ranking of the um, movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, mm -hmm. Because, like, it sort of takes everything that annoys me about Marvel movies and doesn't do any of it. And then really works on its own terms. Um, I'm not sure exactly where, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be held to anything. But definitely <laughs> top ten superhero movies of all time, and in the upper echelon of uh, MCU movies towards the top. I feel like I'm gonna take that and raise a little bit. This is probably gonna be in my top five. I don't know where it would be in my top five. Like you said, that that makes things a lot more difficult. But right now, the way I'm feeling, the way I felt, the three times I left that theater top five for sure mm. i mean the fact that you've seen it three times i've only seen it once <laughs> so I, I definitely need to see it again to digest it but if you've seen it three times and still have the same level of enthusiasm yeah. that usually indicates that like there's some staying power yeah. to it. <laughs> it definitely the it's my third time in the theater and i'm still yelling at the screen like oh my god don't <laughs> throw him off the cliff so yeah <laughs> that that says anything top five 
Yeah, um, <laughs> I've seen Batman. I'm pretty sure I've seen all three of them. I think I'm pretty. No, yes, I have. <laughs> yes, um, I saw the really old Spider-Man in like 2000 and. Three, four, like the only I mean, the, the only one that only matters. That <laughs> I don't know. There was a lot of green in it. Green, green Goblin, green Goblin yes. who used to scare me. Okay, by the way. I was, I was very, of very Doc young. Ock. I oh, hated I'm Doc pretty Ock sure my dad took me to that movie when I was too young to see it. Yeah, I cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also don't know which is DC and which is Marvel. <laughs> so like, I rank this very highly because of my limited range. This is amazing. Limited frame of reference. This is kind of refreshing um, to hear. Yes, no, this is actually reminded. really nice. Yeah. yeah. Like ordinary people who don't. Exactly. Ordinary people. Exactly. <laughs> I was asking Alejandro, I was like, can you please explain to me what the difference between these two movies? But no, just movie-wise, like regardless of whether this is I mean, it is a superhero movie, obviously, but regardless of ranking it amongst other superhero movies, mm-hmm. I think it just ranks very highly in the movies that I've seen recently, probably in the past year. It's like top five, I would say. Awesome. Yeah, this is definitely like much in the way that Wonder Woman was last year. Like, yeah. this is becoming a cultural zeitgeist. Oh, I saw Wonder Woman. That one oh, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> was that DC or Marvel? That's DC. DC. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, this has become this sort of watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Yeah. So, any, any final. Any final words? Are you going to see it again? Honestly, I think I am. Um, my you friend asked me. With me. And yes, I'd be <laughs> down. <laughs> I'd honestly be down. If anybody wants to see it again, let me know. <laughs> I will go. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find The Voice's other podcasts at The Voice Podcast Network on Apple Play, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Graham underscore Puro. Uh, are you guys on Twitter? I am not. Do you have no. anything like anything you want to? Uh, plug yes. Here? You so, have your review coming. Yes, up. I yeah. do. So mm-hmm. very relevant. Um, I have in the next issue, which is the second, I have a feature on the Black Panther coming out, in which I am going to be reviewing and discussing the cultural implications of this film, as well as um, representation in Hollywood as a whole. I'm interviewing some students, some professors. I attended the roundhouse discussion at the black house today on it so i'm really excited about that and check it out yeah i technically have a twitter but no one ever (laughs) no like don't follow it um i guess you could find me on instagram at sienna.doc because like word document um yeah that was like from oh that was from early in high school whatever it's fine you can do that if you want but i don't recommend (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah but definitely so this is um this potentially is going to be tied in with your piece that you're doing oh, um yes. which is really exciting and i cannot wait to see i think it's it might be the cover story and i can't wait to see what yeah. gonna be. that's gonna be so exciting <laughs> um yeah so uh thanks for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>